1: Hello, and welcome back to the Asian Madness Podcast. If you're new, welcome, and if not, glad to have you back. This podcast will cover true crime, mysteries, urban legends, and all things weird from the Asian continent. If you are into any of the things I mentioned, then you're in the right place. Now let's begin this madness, shall we? officially known as the Republic of Indonesia, is located between the Indian and the Pacific Ocean. It is the largest island country in the world. Indonesia is made up of more than 17,000 islands, more than double that of the Philippines. Land coverage-wise, it is considered the world's 14th largest country. Sealand combination-wise, it is the 7th largest country. The capital city of Indonesia is Jakarta. Population as of recent is around 250 million, making it the fourth most populous country in the world, right behind the United States. The official language is Indonesian, but this country houses hundreds of different distinct ethnic groups and languages, with the largest ethnic group being the Javanese. Indonesia is also the most populous Muslim-majority country in the world, where more than 80% of its population is considered Muslim. For this week's episode, we will be traveling to Aman Damai, a village in the outskirts of Medan, the capital city of North Sumatra province in Indonesia. We will discuss the killer that is known as Ahmad Suraji, also known as the Shaman Killer or the Black Magic Killer. His total known victim count was 42, but it is believed that there could have been a lot more. I will definitely have some difficulties pronouncing a lot of names and places, so please forgive me in advance. Once again, this episode will most definitely contain graphic and disturbing details, so please proceed with caution. On the night of April twenty-seventh, 1997, A young boy was out in the sugarcane fields when he came upon a pile of dirt that looked somewhat odd to him. His instincts kicked in, so he quickly returned to his village to tell the village head of his findings. The village head went out to inspect, and noticed that the pile smelled of decay. He returned to the village and reported his findings to the military police. They asked him to keep digging to see if it were animal remains or human remains. If it's animal, then they can do whatever they want with it. At first, I found it odd that the police were so whatever with this, like, yeah, you guys go ahead, but call me only if you find human remains, though. But then again, since it was a village and very rural, most people probably expected it to be an animal decomposing. So the village head went back again, but this time he brought a group of people with him to help him dig. Dig they did, and surprised they were, for they found the body of 21-year-old Sri Kamala Dewi. The villagers recognized this woman, and her parents were immediately notified. This is every parent's worst nightmare, having to know that your child didn't just die, but was murdered and buried in a sugarcane field. Once word got around of her death, A witness came forth and gave a statement that helped identify and bring down the monster who was responsible for her death. A 15-year-old rickshaw puller said that three days ago, he was giving Sri Kamala Dewey a ride, and although initially she was very secretive about where she was headed, only telling him to go straight or go this way or turn here, she eventually told him she was off to visit Datuk which is an honorary title given to individuals in traditional communities. This datuk would be referring to the man I mentioned in the beginning, Amatsuraji, the shaman, sorcerer of the village, whom people believe to have possessed spiritual powers that can help women become rich or beautiful. But more on that later. She specifically asked the young rickshaw puller to keep this a secret. I can imagine wanting to keep this sort of thing private. It makes sense that you wouldn't want everyone knowing about your insecurities. Or maybe she was just hiding it from her parents because they might have been strongly against it. Either way, the rickshaw puller dropped her off at Amat house and left. Upon learning this information, the police immediately paid him a visit. And although he denied knowing her or having anything to do with her death, he ended up having a very hard time explaining why he had her purse and her clothes in his possession. Awkward, right? He actually came up with some crap explanation about how he was there when her body was found, and how he already knew she was dead and that he prayed for her soul. I really don't see the connection. Uh, The police obviously didn't either, because Ahmad Siraji was arrested on April 30th, three days after the body was discovered.
0: The police immediately approached Siraji's house, and after conducting an extensive search, find several incriminating items. Among other things, Davy's handbag, her dress, and a charm bracelet. Siraji denies any connection with Davy's murder, but he admits he has already visited the crime scene and even consoled the grieving family. On April 30th, 1997, three days after the discovery of Davy's remains, The 45-year-old self-proclaimed sorcerer, Ahmad Siraji, is arrested on charges of abduction and murder of 21-year-old Kamala Devi.
1: What you just heard was an excerpt from a documentary on Ahmad Siraji, detailing his arrest. What you also heard was Ahmad Siraji himself explaining that he was there at the sugarcane fields when the body was being excavated and that he had already mourned for her spirit. Basically, he was BSing. He was questioned relentlessly by the police, but he continued to deny any knowledge or involvement in the murder of Dewey. He was either quiet, uncooperative, or downright denying everything. Police searched his home and found clothing and items belonging to a number of different women, Realizing then that this man was probably responsible for more than just the death of Dewey. The police continued their interrogation, eventually intensifying it. and assuming that means a lot of name calling and maybe some beatings. He slowly began to open up and confess to murdering young women who came to his house seeking his help. His initial confession was around 10 women. But that wasn't consistent with the items the police found at his place. So he said, okay, fine, more like 18. Nope, okay, more like 25. He kept going until he finally stopped at the number 42. This guy murdered 42 women in the span of 11 years. He told police that all the bodies were buried around the same sugarcane fields where they initially found the wheat. Everyone gathered at the sugarcane fields wanting to help out, including people from the government, military, friends and family. It took a while, and they even got bulldozers out there to help dig. Everyone dug around the field and stopped when they found all 42 of them, but most were just too decomposed and could not be identified. The forensic expert from this case, uh, Dr. Alfred Satio, Stated that, in the end, it was just a pile of bones. None of them could be identified, not even with the help of family members. Upon this major discovery, he was immediately charged with not just one murder, but the murder of 42 women. So, I'm sure you're all dying to know who the heck this fucker is, who went around killing 42 women like it's no big deal. Let me tell you. Ahmad Saraji, who also went by the name Nasib Kelawang, Dukun Eyas, or Datuk Maringi, was an Indonesian man born in 1949. Okay, I know, his names are super confusing because I am also super confused. Let me break this down. His birth name is Nasib Kelawang, and the other names are generally the ones he uses for his role as a sorcerer. But I will just refer to him as Ahmad Siraji, so we do not get any more confused than we already are. It was said that he was getting into trouble beginning at a young age for petty crimes, such as fighting and stealing. He was in and out of prison a bit for his crimes. But after his time in prison, around his 30s, he decided to go into the business of sorcery, which was also his father's profession. He got married three times. Suraji was Muslim, so having three wives was acceptable. But what wasn't really acceptable to everyone else was that he married three women who just so happened To be sisters, at the risk of sounding like a dense and narrow-minded person. But am I the only person who thinks that's really, really kind of weird? Apparently not, because his mother was also very much against this. He started out his business by helping those around him, like neighbors and such, and somehow he became very famous for his powers. As I mentioned earlier, he specialized in helping women become rich and famous, and beautiful. He also helped women find faithful boyfriends and husbands, and was apparently able to help keep them from cheating. Uh, Basically, he preyed on insecurities that many women had. I mean, come on, who doesn't want to be beautiful or rich? And who doesn't want a faithful spouse? In different cultures, we find different ways to make things happen. For example, I, if I want to feel beautiful, I might want to go get plastic surgery or maybe go to the gym to feel physically better. But for them, this was the acceptable solution and also a quick fix. After all, he was famous for his services. It should be okay, right? But of course, nothing in life is free. He would charge the women that came to him, ranging from around 200 to 400 US dollars. That's a lot for people living in rural villages, especially since this was probably back in the 80s and 90s. In other words, he would take your money before murdering you. That's like the worst deal ever. Now that the police had his confession and all the bones were dug out, they had to dig even deeper into his confession and his motive. So, a really good question now would be, why? The reason is pretty bizarre. According to his own confession, a few years into his profession as a sorcerer in the year 1986, he either had a dream or was in a dreamlike state that showed him his true calling. In this dream, his father appeared in front of him and specifically told him that if he wanted to be the most powerful healer in the world, he had to drink the saliva of 70 women. Ew, I know. I'm not so sure his father told him to kill them or killing was his way of getting the saliva, but either way, he killed. The saliva was said to contain spiritual powers that would eventually accumulate inside of him, helping him to become invincible. He believed that if he wants to get his
0: powerful, he must kill 70 women. It's a twisted belief and he must swallow the saliva from his victim.
1: There is an explanation for all of this belief as explained by the documentary I will play for you now.
0: Saraji's bizarre and disturbing practice was rooted in his belief in the paranormal. Many Indonesians, there is a belief that everyday life is governed by unseen forces controlled by sorcerers like Saraji, known as Dukuns. A Dukun's role is that of a medicine man, witch doctor, priest, mystic, poet, and master of ceremonies, rites, and rituals. Psychologist Irma Manole, reaffirms the strong belief people have in the power of sorcerers <laughs> and their use of extrasensory perception to navigate the supernatural world of ghosts and spirits.
1: The police even took Ahmad Saraji back to the sugarcane fields during the investigation. They asked him to reenact the crimes, like how the women were first positioned, how he strangled them, and how he sucked their saliva. They even provided him with a mannequin for show and tell. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I guess you could say it's detailed police work. At this point, you may be wondering, how did he ever manage to kill so many people without anyone wondering or even suspecting him? There were reports of missing women, but Why would anyone think of him as a suspect? He was a respected individual, after all. It's important to note that Ahmad never actively went out looking for victims. The victims all sort of unknowingly came to him. These women came to him in desperate circumstances, and it's probably safe to say that all of them were probably embarrassed about the nature of their visit so they never told anyone where they were going, just like Dewey, who never told anyone where she was headed. Some of his clients were also prostitutes who wanted to find ways to increase their business load. And as we all know, these women tend to become easy target. This is how Ahmad Siraji managed to get away with 41 murders. Once the poor women entered his house, He'd set them down and charge them for the healing first. Then he would lead them out to the sugarcane fields to perform his so-called magic. Once they got there, he would usually have a hole ready for the ritual and would bind the woman's hands and ask her to step into the hole. I'm not completely sure if he buried her up to her waist or she was just sitting in the hole, but as soon as she was in place, he would strangle her to death. As soon as she died, he would sort of choke and twist her neck one last time in order to get the saliva out and he'd suck it right out of her mouth. But that's what he believed. The last part of his ritual would be to strip the women naked and bury them with their heads facing towards his house. He believed that this would further empower him. I mean, after this saliva thing, this doesn't really surprise me. His first wife knew exactly what he was up to, and she even helped him out on occasion. As for the other two wives aka sisters, they seemed to be unaware of what he was up to. Maybe it's just me, but I kind of have a hard time believing that they had no idea what was going on. Maybe they had a vague idea, but they didn't really want to know. Or maybe they knew, but didn't participate, like the first wife did. Ahmad Suraji was sentenced to death in April 1998, and his wife was tried as an accomplice and initially received a death penalty as well, but it was later on reduced to life imprisonment. Throughout the investigation, Suraji seemed to be fully aware of his doings and even admitted that he knew what he was doing was risky and that one day he would probably be caught. During his trial. He sat there seemingly disinterested and laid back. He seemed to lament that he was never able to reach his original goal of 70. I don't think he ever apologized, nor was he ever really sorry about what he did. A clinical psychologist diagnosed him as having antisocial personality disorder and considered him to be a psychopath. During Amatsuraji's 10-year imprisonment, He became a devout Muslim and pleaded that he was no longer involved with black magic and that he hopes he has a chance to live. People weren't really buying that, so his pleas went ignored. Did he show mercy to the 42 women he murdered? I'm gonna guess no. It's just really irritating to see how people try to come off weak and small just to get some sympathy after being a piece of crap. His final wish before his death was to see his first wife one last time this was granted amatsuraji was executed by firing squad on july 10th 2008 amatsuraji also had nine children with his three wives i definitely feel bad for the remaining wives and his children the saddest part of this entire case for me was that most of the remains could not be identified so many women died and so many family members could not even be sure if their missing family member was amongst them even if they were one of the deceased they couldn't even identify her to bring her home and give them a proper burial another thing i wasn't really sure about was Matsuraji's mental state i don't think he was crazy or anything he was obviously aware of what he was doing and that what he was doing was wrong But does it make a difference if he truly believed he was on the road to greatness? If he really believed that drinking the saliva of 70 women meant immeasurable power? I don't mean to deny the powers of a healer or a sorcerer, but I have zero experience in this field, and I am very curious about how his belief works. He is still a piece of shit for murdering so many people, of course, but I cannot help but wonder... I also wonder how he'd react if he was never caught and instead he continued on his killing trip and eventually made it to 70, only to find out that nothing happens. Or maybe in his mind, he'd feel the change. Obviously, this case was covered extensively both in and outside of Indonesia. Not many murderers who are caught have a victim number of over 40. A movie was produced in Indonesia soon after, called Dukun AS based on the story and killings of Ahmad Suraji. I'm not sure if this movie received any backlash with the whole too soon thing, like the Lucila Lalu movie did. I guess the difference is that one was solved and one wasn't? So there you have it. The Horrendous Killings of Ahmad Suraji, Killer of 42 Women This case was completely new to me, and I guess I'm glad I came across this. All I know is I'll never think of saliva the same way, and I never want to hear the words drink and saliva together ever again. Before I leave you, I would just like to give one really big shout-out to Justin Rimmel from the Mysterious Circumstances podcast. I'd like to thank him for asking me in June why I didn't just start my own podcast. I'm glad he asked because, well, here I am. Podcasting really isn't that easy. It takes a lot of time, but I have to admit, I'm currently having a blast right now, especially with all the encouragement and inspiration from other podcasters. So, shout out to all of you. You know who you are. I would also like to thank the following people for giving me an iTunes review this week. From Australia, Flo J Mac and Future Expat 891989. And also from Taiwan, who's also a personal friend of mine, SHC Tsai. Samantha, thank you. Also thank you Tim M and Cheryl W for writing me emails of encouragement. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you're somehow enjoying this podcast, please help me by reviewing, rating, and subscribing. Please also join me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Username AsianMadnessPod. My email is AsianMadnessPod at gmail.com. Please write me if you have any comments, suggestions, or just want to say hi to me. I'm your host, Jessica, aka DMAD Asian. Till next time.